Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Crew Podcast. It is the middle of January. We have just come off the MLK weekend, and this is probably the fifth or sixth time I'm doing a take uh, to get this intro started. So bear with me. Uh, Hopefully we make it through this one. Uh, I did record a couple episodes or attempt to record a couple episodes prior, um, but those were, were deleted and uh, I, I just didn't like how some of it turned out. Uh, I felt there was a little too much hate and not enough uh, reasonable opinion or fact behind any of them uh, to justify how they felt to me. So uh, I like to have a little bit of that when whenever I kind of go on a, a rant or a tangent just because it allows you to attach to it and not just seem like random spewed hate. Um, so you might not really have much context to that now, but more so once we get further into the episode. Uh, I just wanted to give a forewarning for everyone in case you might feel a certain way or another. Uh, again, still Miata-related. We're, we're, we're not too serious here. <laughs> um, but back into the long weekend. So MLK weekend and most three-day weekends for people tend to be a time to to catch up, on some sleep, maybe do some stuff around the house, a uh, generally kind of laid back thing, but uh, for me it's sort of been, three day weekends have sort of become uh, extra days of work, uh, I, I do work a normal job outside of Burstcraft, uh, the shop is sort of my, my hobby and my getaway from normal work, and it, I have the beauty of being able to do a normal job that I really enjoy, and this that I really enjoy, getting to tinker with all the Miatas, um, but for once, the, the weekend was kind of focused on me and, and my specific Miatas and not necessarily as much customer Miata-related stuff. Uh, and so the weekend leading up to, or sorry, the whole week leading up to the weekend um, was a whole run around of stuff. So uh, these these last few weeks, I've kind of taken strides to, uh, to take roller skate further and further along the uh, the build process. Uh, so it started out with uh, Alex Todd. Uh, everyone may know him at this point, but for those who don't know, uh, Alex Todd is a good buddy of mine. He owns SNS Mazda Parts out in, I believe, North Carolina or South Carolina. I'm sorry. I know you're moving and it might change too, but so he's, he's somewhere in the Carolinas. Um, and he buys a bunch of Miatas, parts amount. He's also a, a rare parts addict, like some of us here. <clears throat> Your, yours truly. <laughs> but uh, Alex had a bunch of parts that he was selling, uh, and a part in particular caught my eye, and especially the fact that he was making a trip out to California. Uh, actually, a, a, like a, a whole trip around the U.S., really, that just happened to come through California. Uh, so Alex oh so graciously broke into my backyard at 1.30 in the morning to leave me a Jubilee rear bumper for roller skate. Uh, and at the same time that all this was happening, um, Jesse Streeter out in Osaka, who many people know as Streeter Corp, uh, also sent over some Jubilee side skirts that I happened to win roughly at the same time on the auctions. It just really happened to pan out this way. Uh, I wasn't planning on finishing the exterior of my car oh so soon, but, uh, it was one of the main things I wanted to focus on this year, finishing up on the car, because I do have my Minam front bumper done. I do have my pit crew taillights uh, waiting to go down to Southern California to get the wing section made. And I have a few other things kind of in my back pocket that some people have seen uh, the overall plan of what's going to be done. But uh, this kind of gives you a general idea of the exterior. 
Uh, and so those are little things that have been going on during the week. But on the weekend, uh, I have uh, an older gentleman who I know because of uh, tracking and selling Miata parts locally and things like that, who I've been in contact with for a year or two already. Um, and the other the other realm of modification that I'd like to get done on roller skate this year is, is my driveline and my, uh, my suspension. So I do have Annex coilovers uh, waiting to go on. Uh, Annex Suspension is a local company here in Fremont, and we work with them uh, at a at a wholesale level. Uh, they're they're great people. They're they're a rowdy little bunch that likes to work on uh, GT86 sixes and Hachirokus, but they do dabble in a lot of Subaru and other uh, suspension work. Uh, their I mean their company model as a whole is to provide boutique suspension to a bunch of the popular Japanese platforms. Uh, and so they've, they've only been around a few years, but they're a fairly knowledgeable bunch of people. Uh, and them being local is, is a really great thing because if we ever run into any issues or we feel that we could help them make strides towards a better product, uh, it's really easy to just go a couple exits up the highway, have a chat with Grant and the team and, and sort stuff out. So we even did, uh, when they were designing their Miata setup, we gave some feedback uh, on how we felt that their NA handled uh, so I'm looking forward to having those in the car, but I also picked up uh, an entire NB subframe, control arm, uh, differential, and steering rack setup uh, for me to put into roller skate, but that is going to get completely torn apart uh, for powder coat. All the arms will get new bushings and ball joints and such. Uh, the steering rack is going to get refinished uh, and depowered. Uh, obviously, like I said, the control arms and, and subframes and everything are getting powder-coated too. Uh, the differential, uh, it's a 4.1 open, which I think is technically an NA 1.8 diff, uh, but point being, the cases are the same and all that kind of shit. But uh, that is going to get, uh, that's going to actually probably be more expensive than any of the other stuff. That's getting a, uh, a 4.7 or 4.8 final drive, so a very short final drive to make it zippy through the hills. Uh, not so great on the highway per se, um, but that'll all get refinished. It'll get the different final drive, and we're looking at probably an OS Geiken re rear diff, uh, and that should sort out everything under the car, and that leaves the last thing for me to really complete on the car uh, is finishing up my 1.7 liter high compression NA build to eventually put in the car. Um, and I know this is a lot of rambling on me. Uh, I, I just wanted to, to kind of put this out there because a lot of people seem to, uh, especially throughout COVID, I, I've sort of shifted business directions a bunch of times and personal directions a bunch of times. And even before that, I, I always try and, I never try and get stuck on one thing. I always try and flow with how I feel a market may be going. Um, so for a little bit of background on Burst, and I don't know if I've talked about this before or not, but uh, originally, Burstcraft was supposed to be related to carbon fiber products. Uh, the original name was actually Burst Carbon Craft. And when I realized I didn't really have any of the knowledge or tooling to do carbon fiber work, I dropped the carbon and I started making shift knobs. Well, shift knobs turned into selling parts at a retail level. And then... I got addicted to buying rare parts, so now then I started bringing in parts from Japan. And all this has just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed, but 
if you know me personally, you've heard a lot of this, and I don't really seem to convey much of this well on social media. A lot of what I have on our page or what I talk about in individual posts tends to be very direct in the moment, whether it be about a build or about a product. Um, and so some people have, have told me before that, hey, I love seeing the quality of work that you do and, and kind of the stuff that you do for, for certain clientele, but what do you, what do you and don't you even really do anymore? And that doesn't really have a negative connotation to it, but it's it's out of genuine intrigue. And I understand where they're coming from, so that's why I have to go and almost on a case-by-case basis explain, oh, well, what do you think we do and what do you feel like you want us to do? Um, and so a lot of the Miata people are wondering that, hey, there's this, there's this guy that kind of rants and raves on stuff and he does good Miata work, uh, but what does he even really do? outside of things on the internet. Uh, and, and so I just kind of wanted to put that out there because this this sort of ties into where I got into some heated stuff prior um, because it is talking about the internet side of things. Uh, I, I try and have my background in the hands-on stuff and why I can be and why I can do and say some of the things that I do because I have the background understanding, whether it be in, in hands-on experience mechanically or whether it be in the whatever minute amount of life experience I have in in, in my mid-20s. Um, uh, but for a while, I, I've, I, I've grown tired of certain social media aspects. I love talking to my friends online, uh, whether it be uh, my local friends that I've known for years or it be people that I've come across on Instagram that random conversations just start great friendships. Um, there's many of you probably listening to this that we've met online and probably never met in person, but we have some of the greatest conversations I can recall for the past few years because we have such a common interest and such a little niche cool thing. And it's like, yeah, you, you're, you're not going to find these people in, in your neighborhood. You're going to find them in the random corners of the internet and y'all are going to say some things and then suddenly you just click. Uh, and I think that can kind of be seen in some of the group chats that we have even. Um, but on on Facebook, because I've been on there for God knows a decade or something like that, there's certain things that you just grow tired of. And so there's certain Facebook groups that I've decided to leave because I just don't agree with how things are being run. Um, here at the shop, we've been working on an NA6 that was supposed to be a, a charity project, and uh, there were there was a group that originally spoke about the car, and and indirectly that's how the car ended up getting funded was was from that group. But after that, we personally created a secondary group so people could keep up to date with what was going on and and find it in a singular source versus having to check the secondary group. And so I've, I've admin groups for years and I don't really, I'm not a very hands-on admin. I keep spam out. I keep hate out, like blatant hate out, <laughs> but I never really try and, and moderate people all too strictly because I never really felt the need on social media. I kind of felt people will weed themselves out, whether they click or don't click with the group that they're in. Um, in this case, a literal group, not necessarily like a niche of people kind of group. But um, there's other groups that 
want to maintain a very sheltered aspect. And because of that, they operate them off of very stringent rules. And I'm not talking about groups that say like you need to put a picture for a want to buy post or uh, only these kinds of like only these kinds of parts can be in here. Like, no, you try and narrow down your group so you don't have someone trying to sell like black market pets on a car page. Like, I, I get why those are in place. But you can't pigeonhole someone into a specific mentality when they didn't come in with it in the first place. And so that happens in a few of the Miata groups, and I've chose to leave. I, I chose to leave them because of it. Um, so a common one that everyone's kind of seen me rant and rave about because of all this is like Miata's in predicaments. You can't pigeonhole people into a certain ideology or a certain way of acting, especially when the people who aren't agreeing with how you're operating it tend to be people who have been in the community longer than you have. Um, I don't want it to seem like a respect your elders kind of situation, but it's kind of like coming in someone else's house. You don't necessarily... You don't necessarily disrespect their rules when you come in. You have an appreciation for what they've set up for you. Um, same way, like, you don't go into someone's business and try and run the place. You come in as a customer and, and create a relationship. So there's a lot of groups that they come in and they do just fine. But I felt that this one originally had such good intention, albeit it had some comedic intention in the first place, too, because it's supposed to kind of be that. But... It's devolved so much from that that it's just become its own little toxic bubble that if you don't agree with the little sheltered environment that they've created, that now you've become exiled from the exiled people because of how they act and how they want to see certain Miata things. And, and this is a group that has spawned off of, I guess it's like cat speak or something like that from Reddit, how people talk all cutesy. Um, but also from the TikTok side of things where a majority of the people in there also don't really own Miatas. They're just fans of Miatas and not in the sense that a lot of people prior have been where it's because of its, its pedigree as a cheap, affordable sports car. But now it's people because, oh, it's so cute. It has pop-up headlights. Um, that realm of, of owner. So, I, I, as much as I can kind of take it with a grain of salt, uh, we do have our own group to do what we need to do for, for the charity side of things, and I've just decided for uh, my, my own peace that it's better to leave and stop getting frustrated. And while in a way it's not solving a problem, I think speaking about it and making people m more aware of what is potentially, an, I don't want to say an issue, but what can potentially create a concern in the future, um, because we, we do interact. You, you have the same people that are in those groups or across all walks of life. You're not going to, you don't treat them any differently if you see them in the street. It's just understanding how to interact with them. But until you do so, in a way, it's better to disconnect and reevaluate what needs to be done in order to do so. Uh, and so because of that, I didn't want it to get to the point where uh, I had become so enveloped in it and, and angered by it that then it goes and hurts the charity project. Because at the end of the day, what we really want to have done is make sure that that car can go to the home that it belongs in. Um, 
obviously the the original owners of the car are are involved with it and everything and that's the home it's going to but it's it's making sure the community that saved it can contribute to it that the car gets the work that it needs and deserves and the fact that in the process anyone involved that doesn't necessarily agree with certain things um, not at the car level but maybe more so at the community level uh, it doesn't turn to negative connotations that then affect that so I, I feel that I've attempted to take I wouldn't necessarily call it the most mature route but at least a more mature route than just sitting there and being salty uh, till God knows when uh, because that that has kind of taken a, a, a pause uh, funding has kind of run dry after the car was initially saved and so um, I don't know if that just has to be with people want to see progress but because they haven't contributed then they can't see progress or if it has to more so do with the newer generation mentality of they got their serotonin fix of being all happy of seeing it saved and now they don't care anymore or what um, but that's just kind of the way I've, I've seen things progress and I don't want to weigh people's opinion one way or another um, but that's just my observation being on both the inside and outside of the issue. <laughs> um, but I do think that there are some groups that, that are better and this isn't necessarily Facebook specific. This, this can be anything from your local car group to, uh, more established Miata groups or, 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 or even any, any community in general, really. I just use the Miata groups cause that's kind of why people know me. Um, and where most of my listeners do come from. Um, so I always do end up recommending people like Kanad down in Southern California. Uh, they're, they're a great bunch of people. I know a fair amount of them reasonably personally. Um, they tolerate me, which is great. <laughs> uh, uh, but people like John B, Peter, etc. They, they all do a great job about promoting Kanad in a positive way without making it seem like a boomer car club. It just seems like a bunch of, of comedians getting together in a parking lot every Friday to eat, drink, and enjoy cars and talk shit. Uh, so every time I've gone, it's pretty much been that. And, and I've had, <laughs> I've had no objections since, um, for the few times I, I have managed to go. So I'm pretty sure everyone kind of realized at this point, I'm in Northern California, they're down in Southern California. So the times I attend are few and far between. And I usually look like a fucking weirdo showing up in a, in a Toyota Sienna filled with car parts. Uh, but they, they still, they still tolerate us, which is fantastic. And I appreciate every time I see John B making a post saying, Kanad this Friday. <laughs> um, cause it reminds me of, of something I do enjoy. Um, I think that's as deep as I want to go on the anger stuff, because I feel that this has finally been a version that touches everything I want to without going into any kind of anger and, and me spewing something in anger. Um, this is completely <laughs> off left field because I have talked about roller skate. I did talk about these group things now. Um, but I do have a really cool customer car here. Um, Vince is a repeat customer of mine. He has a green turbo NB2 that we've worked on prior, and he decided he was going to let uh, let me tinker with his supercharged ND and has a Edelbrock carb legal supercharger. Uh, he's getting rid of the car, so we're taking some things back to stock, but he gave me the 
oh so gracious opportunity to take an extended test drive in the ND and um, I, I got to experience that and it's the it's the first long drive I've gotten to do in an ND and really feel out the car uh, both in the twisties and in straight lines and and it's it was a long enough drive that you kind of start settling in the seat in the, in a way that you would to like a long commute to work or things like that and it and it was it was really um, it was a really nice eye opening experience because I got to see what Mazda has now done twenty twenty five years after the NA and ten or so fifteen years or so after the NB uh, and getting to drive that car and feeling how that car responds to a lot of my input realizes how much the ND has thankfully kept the soul of the NA and the NB. Um, I haven't had to, I haven't had the opportunity to do something similar with the NC just yet. Um, so I can't speak in that regard at the moment, but at least with how his ND was set up. Um, so it had Tane coilovers, uh, it had the supercharger, it had a Willwood six piston big brake kit, which that's one of the things I'll get into in a little bit that I wasn't oh so fond of. Uh, and obviously the supercharger and a Roadster Sport exhaust. Um, so there were certain things done to it. It's not stock, but it's near enough to stock that I feel it's still a valid opinion. Uh, because a lot of the things done to it were still things that I would do. Uh, I would put that axle back. I would, um, I would lower the car, maybe on different coilovers. But those tains that he had on the car felt plenty fine. Um, I would have a different wheel and tire setup. This was a review on the OEM wheel and tire combo, so the car was like a tiny bit twitchy. But that's kind of expected. Um, I've noticed that a lot of the the OEM setups are a little bit that way compared to once you go a little bit wider. Uh, wider wheel, lower offset, and wider tire. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really it really kept a lot of the soul of the NNNB, which I appreciated, and it took away all the bad things. Um, so obviously, you're driving a 20 or 30 year old car at this point. It it's not brand new. It makes creaks and noises and things like that. So there's the little bit of like the old person appreciation in you of ah this is quiet. There's no squeaks and rattles and everything. And so all of a sudden you only getting to hear the exhaust and a little tiny bit of the supercharger come online is such a fantastic feeling in comparison to hearing your normal exhaust in an NA or NB and then you hit a bump and it's like rattle and creak. And so uh, I I was enjoying. The, the new car feeling um, and in the corners too I mean there's there's no way you can compare um, obviously Mazda engineers know what they're doing they've taken le- leaps and bounds to improve the car but it still has a very similar feel the way the way the car will want to roll into a corner and and the way it provides you feedback it still gives you that bit of body roll that that some people need to to feel what the car is doing um, almost polar opposite to what I felt with uh, S2000s that I've driven, for example. So I've driven both an AP1 and an AP2, and the one thing I always seem to notice is that I don't know if this is a preference thing or or specifically a chassis thing, but um, S2000s always seem to communicate feedback late to me. Um, AP2s are a lot better. They're a lot closer to what I like out of a Miata versus an AP1. AP1s to me felt very... 
um, not numb in terms of you feel nothing, um, but in a way like it's so stiff that by the time something's happening and you're realizing it, you have to act very quick. Uh, Miatas are very forgiving or they're at least very communicative in the sense that, hey, the body is rolling, you're realizing what it's doing. Oh, the back end's coming around. You're already realizing that the back end is slowly starting to come around. And even though it's a short wheelbase car and you have to to be cautious with your inputs, um, it's it's very friendly for you to have fun in. Uh, S2000s are, are a lot closer to what you'd expect out of a track car of being precise and understanding that if I do this, this will be the result. Uh, it's It's... It's in a way a more refined car in that respect, and the ND keeps that playful spirit that NA and NBs have. Um, obviously, like I said, this is probably the third or fourth time, the car is supercharged. It is not slow. <laughs> so when you're hauling ass through corners and the supercharger is completely online making whatever six or eight pounds that it is, um, I was I was keeping the same times through the canyons that I'm used to doing in my wagon uh, which is a TSX station wagon. That's a long wheelbase car, and this car was plenty happy to go way quicker. Um, I know the TSX is not a performance car by any means, but that's just the reference because I use the same road that I go back and forth to work to do this extended test drive. Um, so because of that, it was a really easy comparison for me in my head. That being said, though, I, I honestly wouldn't mind driving a, a naturally aspirated one just to, to feel a little bit of the difference. Uh, I know it kind of tainted my original view of the car because I do get to feel it with making, what is it? I think it's supposed to be around 200 at the wheels when you have that kit. Um, but yeah, if you have if you have an ND and you have that supercharger, I, I feel it's the perfect mix. I don't think it's necessarily something Mazda should have made from the factory per se, because I do like driving NA cars. Uh, but having that supercharger makes it very much a driver's car. Um, makes it slightly more enjoyable on the street because you do get some more power to pass. Uh, it's it's a more livable power band and, and power output, so to speak. But um, I don't think it's necessarily something you need to get started to, let's say, getting into track. Um, the, the factory output on an ND especially for someone whether it be an absolute beginner or just someone trying to go have fun on a weekend is is plenty because you'll learn so much more getting that car twitchy and sideways in a corner than just trying to band-aid fix it and mash it on corner exit and and going fast down a straightaway um and so mazda has always kind of been more so about the horse and rider aspect um where the car can communicate to the driver and, and vice versa, and you get those refined inputs that even though it is sort of a budget sports car that you do have a good experience, it, 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 they will teach you a lot, and you will be rewarded greatly from, from the car itself. Um, in, in polar opposite comparison, I have people that have owned uh, Miatas and S2000s and things like that, and they'll also own Evos or, or STIs, and they'll go on track with the all-wheel drive system and the gist of what I always end up hearing is yeah the car is fast but it pretty much ends up driving itself I, I don't learn much I just kind of put it in the corner pin it all-wheel drive system all hooks up and keeps it squared and I just have to have the balls to put the pedal down um, which I guess in a time attack 
side is kind of a good thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in, in terms of actually trying to grow and develop as a driver, uh, not exactly the, the greatest weapon to take on track when, when you're trying to learn how to go even faster. Um, so I, I think the ND can be very versatile in that regard. Uh, NAs and NBs are, are very long in the tooth at this point. But um, NCs and NDs, especially because of how reasonably similar the two are, um, I think are going to be the next big wave of, of what people can expect to see on track. I know there are things like MX-5 Global Cup for the ND and Spec MX-5 for the NC, um, but after talking to some people, I, I know that those are... They're, they're a bit more expensive than what you can expect out of something like Spec Miata, and so that's still going to deter some people. Uh, and this is this is what's been said from racers, because of the fact that it's going to cost substantially more for you to enter a spec mx5 or like build and race a spec mx5 because the initial build cost is is almost two to three times uh let alone a global cup car nd uh which is full-blown race car sequential like all that kind of stuff that car is almost six figures um so there's there's not a lot of people uh sort of weekend warrior uh hpde or or grassroots track day competition kind of guy that's going to be able to justify any of that kind of stuff and even even for something as much as like a nasa regional like there there's not uh, the pool of people that are willing to invest that much money in a specific chassis and and it just grows slimmer and slimmer the higher that number becomes and that's that's just in a way common economics coming into play like you're not going to be able to justify half or th or three quarters of your income just on a car uh when you still have to figure out how to survive like your normal life outside of race weekends i know i know we we eat sleep drink smell and anything else related to racing but uh there still always has to be a little bit of common sense behind it as crazy as we might be elsewhere um but but all in all i i'm very happy <laughs> with that nd um i did mention i was going to talk about the willwoods a little bit um, I don't have anything bad to talk about them, but I don't really have anything good to talk about them either. And I don't know if maybe once I feel the stock breaks, uh, if I can say, okay, yeah, that's why. But um, honestly, they didn't really seem to stop all that much better in, in a normal street setting. Uh, maybe they handle fade a lot better. Um, maybe threshold braking is a lot better on track, but this is just a, a street comparison of the car. Um, and they they seem to warp the rotors really easily because the car uh, when we were driving the car I noticed the front right seemed to have a bit of a of a vibration to it only under braking so that ro that rotor was already kind of on its way out, um, but yeah uh, I I think if I were to sort of build one for myself um, if you wanted it as a very simple uh, almost purest way to build it I would say uh, stock car itself some good coilovers under it uh, some sixteen by eight uh, whatever wheel you prefer, let's just say TEs, because I know I know TEs come in 16.8 plus 25 or plus 28, whatever it is, uh, which look really good on the NDs uh, with a nice 205 to kind of get that meaty sidewall in. Uh, and just depending on if you're someone that likes a little bit more exhaust note or not, um, I know Goodwin Racing has some good systems. This Roadster Sport sounded good. Um... Or you can just leave the stock setup for the exhaust, and that's that's a very very capable track day car, um, with literally just wheels, tires, brakes, 
uh, some like more slightly more aggressive pads to handle the temperature. Um, and like I said, if you want exhaust, um, if you want kind of that like hot rotted feel where it's like, okay, like someone might mess with the wrong car kind of day, just because you have the ability to have such a low power to weight ratio. Um, the supercharger is a cool option, uh, albeit it does get slightly pricey when you actually go and look at how much that costs. But, um, to be able to, to jump up, I think it's something like 70 or 75 horsepower at the wheels. Um, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And I know there's a lot of people that might advocate for turbo or something like that, but driving that supercharger felt like I was driving an NA uh, and not an NA Miata. I'm talking naturally aspirated car, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, if, if you're going through the twisties or something like that, like turbos make great noises and whiny superchargers make great noises, but it's also kind of cool having a supercharger that doesn't feel like you have a supercharger. It just feels like you have a fast, naturally aspirated car. Um, so that, that kind of plays into my personal preference, but I, I, I did enjoy that. And so, uh, thank you again, Vince, if you're listening to this, uh, no, I like your ND a lot. I wish you could keep it, but I hope you buy something else cool that fulfills you just as much, if not more, than this ND has. Um, and I do have a couple other things written down, but I think we've kind of gone over enough. Um, so we're, we're just a little bit past the 30-minute mark, and I think it's, it's a really safe spot to hop off without going down uh, another rabbit hole. Uh, so thank you as always, you guys for listening. Uh, I hope the rant or what may have seemed like a rant didn't really offend anyone. Um, again, I wanted to express everything in a sense of a little bit of opinion and understanding behind why I'm saying what I'm saying and not just, uh, not just spewing anger, uh, like I'm some talk show host, uh, talking about politics. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you guys. I, I truly appreciate it. Uh, as always, you're more than welcome to follow the shop at burst underscore craft on Instagram. Uh, our website is burstcraftusa.com. Uh, you can follow me personally on Instagram at rollerskate, which is R-L-R-S-K-8-T. Um, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever else it may end up. Uh, until next time, guys. Hopefully we'll have guests on in the next one, uh, but for now, have a good one. Hope you guys enjoyed.